Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Theo Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, Hockey Net in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Wednesday, hump day. We got a great one on tap for you today. And speaking of taps, I got a new sponsor announcement. Three Trees Tap and Kitchen is on board with the podcast. Pretty excited about this one. They're going to be supplying growlers of uh, beer to the podcast studio, which I'm excited about. You're going to hear about that in uh, this episode. Um, And then, I mean, I, I went and sat down with Jim Spenrath. Is there a more down-to-earth guy? I, I don't know if there is. When I said, okay, well, we'll make sure we mention it this Wednesday, he he, he goes, well, actually, we're doing the we're helping the Kinsmen and Canets out and are doing their Telemiracle Steak Night. So I got off the phone with Louis Stang. The Kinsmen will be cooking steaks outside Three Trees Tap and Kitchen, and Three Trees will be packaging the steaks with a salad, potato, and dessert. The Kinsmen and Canets will then deliver the meals to your door. How do you get involved? You go, what day is it first off? Saturday, February 6th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. You got to get your tickets before the end of January. Tickets are $50 for uh, $50 for a steak dinner. Kids can get involved. $10 kids meal with chicken fingers and fries. Each ticket purchased includes free entry into door prize draws and delivery of the meal directly to your door. The night doesn't end there. Uh, they're also providing a live stream entertainment that will include the music by Bud's Busted Nine Irons. Say that uh, 10 times fast. Live updates of silent auction items, celebrity cameos, and door prizes. For tickets, call Louis Stang at 306-821-7275 or Darcy Wildman at 780-871-4818. I should also give a shout-out to Chris at uh, Kudu. Um, Louis had asked for uh, a barbecue, and I... Sorry, Baker, we didn't we didn't we don't have one. So I did a couple phone calls, got Chris, they kudos got one, and then proceeded to hang up on him. So sorry about that, Chris. And if you're listening to this, I appreciate you helping the boys out with a barbecue. That's kudu. Um, Jen Gilburn team for over 40 years since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Coldwell Bankers Cityside Realty have served Lloyd Minster and the surrounding area. They're passionate about our community and they pride themselves on giving back through volunteer opportunities and partnerships as often as they can. We know that home is truly where awesomeness happens. Coldwell Bankers Cityside Realty for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give them a call. 780-875-3343. HSI Group, they are the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make uh, sure you have a compliant system working for you. Mr. Kim was the guy who hooked me up with Chris from Kudu. Uh, they just make things happen, don't you, boys? Uh, so if you're looking to get some things cooking uh, on your security side, give HSI Group a call. Kim and Brody will help you out. They offer security surveillance and automation products for residential commercial livestock and agricultural applications they use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter stop in today 3902 52nd street or give them a call 306-825-6310 uh i'd stopped in and saw miss deanna wandler about a week ago uh, we got talking about uh, a couple different things um 
signs included. And if you haven't seen the SMP billboard across from the UFA, I highly suggest you take a look at her. She is sharp. And if you're looking to get any outdoor signage, make sure you stop in to read and write today and uh, let them know I sent you. They do fantastic work, and there isn't much better than Deanna Wan there. She's fantastic at what she does. Gartner Management, talking about fantastic. Uh, Mr. Wade Gartner, um, if you're looking for any type of rental property, you know, a small office space like the studio, maybe some uh, a little something bigger, 6,000-square-foot commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call, uh, 780-808-5025. We've got talking about culture and uh and surrounding yourself with uh, the best people. And I tell you what, the sponsors of the podcast are certainly that. And if you're into any of these businesses, you make sure you let them know. Uh, you heard them uh, on the podcast here. Now, if you're interested in getting a part of this team and being on the show here in 2021, there is a couple spots left. Go to SeanNewmanPodcast.com, top right corner, hit the contact button, send me your info, and we'll see what we can do here to get you involved and get you a part of this team. Um yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. Here we go. T-Bar 1, Tale of the Tape. I'm originally from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. His first time on stage was, shall we say, unusual, as he headlined an entire show for an hour. Since then, he's acted in movies, performed in NHL dressing rooms, across college campuses in both Canada and the United States. He was named Canadian College Comedian of the Year at one point. I'm talking about Kelly Taylor. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Kelly Taylor, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. I'm joined today by Kelly Taylor. Sean, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Hopefully I'm yeah. not too, I'm not too low, because you... You do it. You guys do it pro. I got to start uh, doing video on that. So what do you, do you show this on YouTube or how do you show yours? Yeah. YouTube. Plus okay. then, plus then if you put a clip, uh, if you say something funny, cause I'm not a funny guy, if you say something funny, then I can clip it out and put it on Twitter or something that people can like it and not have to tune into a full, I don't know. Depends how long we go, Kelly. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. There we go. I need to get, uh, I need to get in the computer side of this, the technical side. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> well, how's it going? That. Good. I like that. You got no, uh, no front tooth like that for the show too. I like that. Uh, hockey teeth right off <laughs> and slugging a beer. This is great. I like it. Listen, I got three kids. I'm, I'm about to say, uh, four and under, but he's closing in on five and under the oldest is uh four and a half turns five in April. Uh, the daughter's three. The newest one is one, right? It's a busy house. This studio is not in the house. That is another smart move you should make because when I get here, it's quiet. Pour myself a sarsaparilla, sit down, enjoy a chat. It's perfect. Look at you. Smart. Yeah, I am uh, I usually do things at my parents, but uh, I just went down to the basement. And <laughs> at least it's at, I like how you did it at a bedtime because you're trying to get the one kid to bed. So this is good. I'm, I'm out. I'm not taking care of that. I got a football game on in the background here. So this is nice. Yeah, it's smart. You're Almost good. like uh, so that's how I got into my stand-up career. It was like literally almost the same thing. I use stand-up as an excuse to go out and drink, but she's pregnant. She's like, oh, I, if I can't drink in that, like you shouldn't be. And I was like, oh, babe, I'm going to chase this dream. So this is perfect. We just keep figuring it out. Guys, smart move. Well, I got to know. Uh, I'm originally from Hillmont, Saskatchewan. I've been Home told. Of the Redden, right? Uh, that's correct. 
Barter is, Breton. Oh, and wait, too. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. I see. There's the jersey right there. Yeah. <laughs> Have you performed in Helmont? Yes. At the, uh, it's like literally, the, uh, is it a ratepayers or something like that? Like something for the RM. And you do these things. And uh, I think you have to be 75 and up to get into these functions. It's 75 and up. It's styrofoam uh, <laughs> mini coffee cups. I don't even know if they serve booze at it. And like, it's literally, the people are ancient. But it's like, oh, man, whatever. If, if I can't get away with telling these ag people jokes, then there's not a lot of hope in, uh, for other comics. So I just keep it squeaky clean and just do some sass stuff and you know you're not going to get a huge laugh because i think their level of laughter is like <laughs> it's almost like little head nods it prepped me for zoom gigs but yes i did do hillmont i remember pulling in there a small little uh community hall Gee, you're, you're making us sound all right i like it you can keep talking about hillmont that way that's <laughs> you didn't mention the dogs and the cats and that was pretty much the town so i'm i'm happy about that i only saw that that uh hall they had i don't even know if there was a town there you, you didn't even go to the rink, rink eh you get they, they got to take you to the rink the rink's the best building in the place obviously small town sask yeah well it was summer but so i would have just saw I've, I've been in the, a lot of rinks actually so i don't know why a lot of people do that too i do a lot of small towns where they're like yeah you can come see your rink i was like okay and rinks are always so creepy <laughs> at that time too but i was like the smell is always the same You're like oh whatever love it let's do it does the does the name Dwayne Parlett ring a bell for you then? Is that a guy that you know? What I know that that name sounds very familiar. He played a stint, a very small stint. He was a backup goalie for for PA back in the day, back when uh, uh, I think Hartnell would have been there. And I want to well, McIntyre knew who he was. So right in that time frame, Steve McIntyre in those days. See, and that that uh, Hartnell era is right when. Uh, so I I would have followed the Raiders my like my whole childhood, and then I went to university. Like so, right when Hartnell got here, I went to university. So it was like the first time the Raiders weren't my main entertainment. Now uh, the Sutherland, the Pat, and the Double Deuce were my main source of entertainment. So those are my follow years of uh, not seeing a lot of Raider hockey. You know, come home at Christmas, see a little bit, and that was about it for the uh, that era. Speaking of, uh, well, I, I, on a side note, the reason I bring up Dwayne Parlett is I've heard this story about you being on stage in Helmond, and in walks this guy in shorts and flip flops. He's bigger than he's larger than life because Dwayne is a big man, and you're you're in the middle of a joke and you stop and you're like, Dwayne, and he's like, eh, <laughs> and it's Dwayne Parlett, and you're like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, man, it's my hometown. And he's like, all right then, and you carried on. <laughs> Okay, this is oh, bad memory. Like I remember driving in the Hillmont, like the venue, but I couldn't uh, remember. Hey, that listen, it's I am. It, this this is an old wives' tale I've been told about you, and I was like, well, there's only one way to go in, head first, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, well, there we go, uh, melted head. I got right now. I, <laughs> like it's not. I, there's so many different things when I'll do a show, and people are like, remember you did that, and I was like. Uh, no i don't because you, you just do so many shows you're like i don't know and sometimes that's where uh some of my best jokes have been born out of someone's like hey i love uh my favorite joke here is then they'll say something and it's not even a joke like it's just a one-off i did that one night and i was like oh my god okay i gotta talk about that thing again and then you kind of build on things like that because i'm so bad at not writing things and kind of just going in the moment and then 
I'll just use them and they're gone, which if I was very professional, I would record every show. Like I think Jim Gaffigan records every show and listens to himself, everything goes through it. Like, like, man, like just a workhorse. Whereas if I listen to myself, I want to quit immediately. Like anything I've been on TV, anything on the radio I've ever recorded, I cannot listen to because I just hate it. So, uh, and then actually then it works out good for me because I don't have to do all that extra work of going through my set and fine tuning it. So I like to keep it rough. So that's why you never did Jimmy Kimmel then is because he didn't like listening to yourself. Did, could not. Uh, we went right from Montreal straight to New York and he wanted this cert. He wanted this certain set where I did this fish bit. And uh, I remember the night I was recording it. I was like, well, this would, Cause you can tell when, what crowds are like. And I was like, I'm, and that's a very high energy uh, bit. And the crowd was kind of like, you know, like a, like a Wednesday crowd. And they were kind of like, they weren't that rowdy. So I was like, it feels like I'm forcing this. And I remember doing it right after I finished. I was like, Oh, we're not sending that video. And then we went to another one. And then it's hard to get stage time in New York. You're not going to get good stages. So now it's all these weird shows with just some comics in there. So I didn't like those. And then even when I came back, to Canada, I was always doing like, I was never doing a lot of clubs. There's always weird gigs, maybe in a hall this. So I never really recorded. And then uh, if I did, I wouldn't like it. And I just never sent him the video. So I had Kimmel booked. We had it locked and loaded. And they just wanted to confirm it with the, the video of that bit. And I never sent it. And it's the that's the biggest regret. And the really uh, only regret, I guess, I haven't. Well, no, I'm not sure there's more regrets down there. But that's number one. Like, that's annoying, right? I just started comedy. Could I have Kimmel right off the hop? And it took, I think, like maybe 10 years, 15 years later till a Canadian did Kimmel. And I was like, oh, my God, I could have came out of the gates right hot, got it. And who knows? But whatever. You know, I'm having a good time here at Sask anyways. So maybe it worked out for the best. Maybe I would have been an alcoholic in L.A., burnt up and dead in a ditch somewhere. So I'm, I'm going to count it. I'm going to count it as a blessing in disguise. That's what I'm doing. You're trying to look at the glass half full. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you're trying to do there. Mm-hmm. You uh you grew up a uh PA. Yeah. Youngest of five? Yes, sir. Man, uh it's probably where it comes from. Like even right now, so I've got four. And my youngest, his volume is at like max ten all the time. Like, ah, ah, like just, and as soon as anyone talks, he just it's he just gets right in the middle of it and he's just yelling. I was like, I think that must've been the way I was like, uh, my dad was funny. My brothers are funny, but then the last one, I guess got to be the loudest one. Try to show, show them what you, what you can do, I guess. My siblings are laughing right now. Cause I'm the youngest of five. I've been known oh, to be, yeah. uh, I've been known to be a little talkative, shall we say? <laughs> Well, we gotta be, man. There's uh, no one wants to listen. No one wants to listen to the last one. They're annoyed. Like now that I see the dynamic of how it works, you're the weakest link in the chain. Like so, you wreck it for almost everyone. Like you gotta leave places early because of that thing. You can't go. Maybe you can't go fishing because of this guy. You'll get tired in the boat. Like even today, we took him ice fishing. He was a an absolute dud. He was brutal. And and I felt like I felt like a loser because I brought an iPad because you're like, oh, get the kids out in the fresh air. And I was like, whatever. My kids are outside all the time. I could care less. I stuck him in the, he didn't really step out of the halftime. Like he just in there watching Cobra Kai. So I was like, whatever. Who, who cares? Is that, is that good? It's so, it's beyond cheesy. But then it, it, it reminds you of your childhood because you get to see uh, like the old sensei there or um, the bad guy. But the bad guy, now you like the bad guy and the karate kid is just annoying. 
So you like the old bad guy because he just almost he's creepy and creepy and cheesy. And there's not there's no better thing than a creep ball cheesy guy. And he's always slugging uh, banquets. So I don't know. You, you, you end up liking the, the bad guy from the original Karate Kid. I don't know, man. I, I watched the I've heard I've seen a couple of you uh, tweet about it, that you're watching it. And I, all I see is the original Karate Kid. And even back in the movie, you're like rooting for him. But you kind of wish they, they, you know casted somebody else and now as an older guy i'm like i don't know i don't know if i can oh. hit that guy he's, he's almost unwatchable like it's it's annoying like it feels like you're watching a soap opera but you're like this is terrible but at least it's the only show i could i could mildly stomach with my kids like usually it's just they just watch shit like it's just you don't even except my one kid's right into nature and then the other one will be hockey the 14 year old will watch the hockey with me than the other one nature, but the seven-year-old is just, it's YouTube junk and all this other crap. So I will watch that one, but it, it's the Danny LaRusso guy. It's like full house. You, it's painful. You can't watch it. But the old sensei is such an old booze bag and weird and creepy. I got it. I got to kick off. Him. But it's one of the ones I, I can't watch anymore. Like, it's just, I was like three or four episodes. And I was like, okay, guys, that's, that's it for me. They're like, dad, you're going to fall behind. That's good. That's fine. Go ahead on Cobra Kai without me, guys. Can't do it. Yeah, I'm really missing out, guys. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, what do you during COVID? Man, it's like it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about. We're closing in on a year, man, of being COVID locked down, tightened up. Uh, have you? Did you want? Uh, this is a dumb question because it's probably been talked about a thousand times. But I assume you watched The Last Dance. Oh yeah, that was great. And that, like uh, I said, the things I watch with my 14-year-old is uh, sports. So he he watched with me. And that one, you know when you watch some sports with your kids? And I remember when, like I was grew up watching the Oilers. And you'd watch Gretzky, Messier. And then they'd show you an old clip of like, here was the best. Like, and then you watch these old guys. Like, well, they can barely skate. They don't even have a helmet. They're not even doing, bending their knees. So then now I watch hockey with my boy. And then like I'll like, I was like, oh, I liked uh, Messier and the Oilers. And I show him this old clip and he's like look, look how bad they are no wonder why Gretzky scores goal he's like they're pure dusters the goalies they just they don't even go down and so he beats it like that but the thing with the last dance it feels like it transferred real good like good basketball was almost the same like it just it was unreal and then just to see the competitive side of that and then my boy is like that like he's insanely competitive so it was cool to watch like I remember and I remember all those series and then there's so much background into it that you don't realize. Like I, I remember saying, did Michael Jordan get ripped? Like, why is he so ripped now? Like, I didn't know he said in the offseason, like, enough's enough. I, enough of the Detroit Pistons, like, manhandling a guy like that. So he just goes out and gets absolutely jacked to deal with the Detroit Pistons. And the guy's just beyond competitive. Like, it was, it was so fun to watch someone that competitive that can't sit down. Like, even before the games, like, playing quarter games with that creepy blonde-haired guy with that little – Larry Bird mustache or whatever, like he and he wins like the NBA title, and he's like, "We still got time for a round of golf." And then you start hearing all these backstories of guys talking about uh, Jordan and his gambling, and but his gambling was all because of how competitive he is. Like the guy, you can't turn off. And I love, I love competitive people like that. So it was, it was like I think, and they release it once a week, right? So you just get once a week. And then they two. did they released two episodes. So it's just like boom, boom. And you're like, oh, I cannot wait for next week. So it was like, here we go, Monday, let's do it again. Yeah, I, lo I love that one. That's probably the favorite thing uh, 
we watched and like together let's let's do this it was uh i loved it well i got to uh, i had macarthur on he's hometown boy here and mm-hmm. uh he got to golf with them well they're not living there anymore he was living um just south of where jordan's course was and he talked about being in the, the stalls and it was like man it was stupid like brady jordan macarthur kind of thing and they used to bug him about all the time about thought this is where the pro athletes uh sat right but he golfed with them all the time and they golfed he said i think it was 36 holes a day five days a week that's what they did and they bet every single time and clark was saying when his dad went down and was um riding caddy for him he'd be betting jordan on every hole and he'd become he'd be just at him like they just Jordan just doesn't know how to shut it off, which is like still cool to hear. Oh yeah, I, I imagine man, like you can't stop competitiveness, like, and that's why he probably golfs because it's right there. They, there's still a competitive edge where you still want to go out and do something. At 36 a day, man, like what a what a life. That's great. Wonder <laughs> did he? Have, why? Why are this? It looks like he might have got into the booze now. <laughs> Everyone watching the last dad's like, why are Michael Jordan's eyes so yellow? Take a day off, bud. Holy smokes. And then he did, and then you're like, is he a big drinker? Then you just see that cup he's drinking every once in a while. It's like, oh, I think he might be indulging now. Well, the man is worth more than money itself. Like, so what does he do? He golfs. Everywhere he goes, he gets comped everything. So I, I don't know. I mean, how do you turn that off? Yeah. And the one guy who doesn't need to be comped, hey, eh? the guy's. The guy's making a thousand dollars per minute, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll get that for free." Oh, okay. Like, man, what a life! Just, just golf, do whatever you want, huh? Good for him. I guess that's what you get when you're the best in the world at a sport. Forget if it's Lamborghinis or Ferraris. I'll have to go back and listen. But he shows up in a new one all the time. And one time, the best story I've heard is he showed up in a polka dot Ferrari, and somebody went, "Why polka dot?" Because I can, and just kept walking. Like- <laughs> You're like, yeah, all right, fair, fair. Oh, yeah, why why not? Who's going to beat you? <laughs> now, now that other people are probably getting polka dot Ferraris because of it. Oh, probably. He probably started to trend, man. He's trendsetting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sadly, not everybody's running out to have missing teeth. That That isn't, I'm not setting any <laughs> trends there. What happened? How'd you miss the, is that a high stick? No, uh, uh. Slap shot to the face. I've had two of them in my days. Yeah, two teeth knocked out or two slap shots to the face? Two slap shots to the face. <laughs> so you got the tooth knocked out on one. What happened to the other one? I got like four knocked out on the other one. And they've, oh. they've all been fixed. I it's It's been it's been now, it's been a long time. It's been like 15, 16 years since I had a top a top jib. And I used to get the, the plates and stuff. But then, you know, you, you, you get good, having a good time. And then you forget where you put said plate and now you're out like four or 500 bucks and you're like, well, I'm not uh, doing that again. And then you get married. Guys always like the look too. Guys, always, I, guys, oh, like teeth guys are, great. come on. Guys all the time are like, uh, you're not getting a tooth put back and you look way better. And I'm like, you're saying that because <laughs> you know, I look like a jackass, right? Like I look like a jackass. It's okay. Women are all like, you look, you know, you're such a handsome guy. If you just get a tooth put in. And I'm like, I know, ladies. I know. Right. I'm married. I'm good. 
Because a guy, if a guy's laughing like with no teeth, he just looks like a bigger beauty. You're like, look at this guy; it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, every time I open my mouth, I make people smile. That that is true. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. You know, for for a guy who was a goalie, you know, you come from a. Well, goaltenders are a different breed. You probably heard that an awful lot. Hear that a lot. All, all the time. All the time. For sure. N- normally, goalies are a little, I don't know, introverted, at least in the guys I've met. What uh, what was different about you? What is different about you? <laughs> yeah, I was never uh, I was never that. And you know what? It's It sucked in some ways. Like, I... When uh, we hit like junior and I knew I wasn't going to play anywhere, I was like, holy shit. But I like that's 90s hockey. Like literally, if you wanted to fight, you could make any team like any to the junior A level, not major, major junior. You'd have to be incredibly tough if you're a terrible player. But uh, like I remember there'd be guys that stick around that would just if they fought, they could stick around and play. So I remember it pissed me off. I was like, Fuck, man, I shouldn't have been a goalie. Like I was never an introvert. Like I was always like a. I always wanted to fight in games, but I was like, well, I can't fight this guy because I got all this equipment on. I can't just go skate and fight the other goalie for no reason. He'll be like, what the hell's going on? So even when I knew I'd tried out and got cut everywhere, I went through like every junior team, called the coaches, and they were they were like, oh, we're set, goalie, we're set, we're set. And Kindersley was like my last call, and I called them. And he's like, no, we're set. And I was, like, and I was just like, well, God. Uh, I'll come fight. And he's like, what? He goes, are you, aren't you a goalie? I'm like, real bad. Like I'll be like a, you can extra forward. I'll just fight. And the, the day I don't fight, you can send me home. And he was like, what is going on? Like, and then two of my buddies played on Kindersley at that time. And they started laughing later. It was like Wayne Labrie had a, like, did you fucking call Wayne Labrie and offered a fight for our, like on our team? And he kind of just shut her down. But, uh, yeah, is, man, I wish. I wish I, I was never a goalie. I was never meant to be a goalie. I kind of even flexible. It was just that era of, I don't know. I you just you win one tournament like in novice, like oh fuck, I should be the goalie. That's what happened. And then I kept going. Like I couldn't even touch my toes, and and then that catches up to you. At the beginning, you know, you could be good that way. Then later on, other people are like, oh look, this guy's actually an a- athletic, and that's like I just stacked the pads. I was like a I should have been a goalie in the era of the sixties. Then I maybe would have went somewhere, but otherwise useless. I heard, I can't remember if I read this or if I heard you talk about this, maybe both. I can't remember anymore. Uh, in preparation for this, I listened to a lot of Kelly Taylor. I read a bunch about Kelly Taylor <laughs> and talked about you going to uh, PA Raiders camp. And you're like, you had no business being there. So you used a broken stick so that you could get a brand new stick or something along the no, line. Pat's Pat's camp. Pat's I, camp. I, I, I had business being there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when I was, uh, we won Bantam Double A Provincials, and uh, we had a great, great year, awesome year. And and then I was going to Regina as a 16 year old, and their coach was Norm uh, Norm Johnson at the time, and he called. And they had two older goalies, so they were going to get rid of one, and it looked like I was going to move in. I was like, holy man. Like, in, in my – the wheels in my head is like 16-year-old making the WHL. Like, if you're 16-year-old in the dub, I was like, man, you're, you, your chance to get dropped in the NHL are good. I was like, oh, my God. So I go to this camp, and I, he said, we're going to see what you look like through the exhibition. So I knew I was supposed to stay for exhibition. So uh, during camp, I broke my stick. 
but it, it was broken where it, like it was just kind of flapping the blade was still on i was like oh man i was like all i have is inner squad and inner squad you got three goalies on each team you only got to play one period i was like Fuck, i gotta be able to get through a period with a broken stick because then you get a free stick because you're on the squad to Man, it was the worst. Like, what an idiot. Think of that nowadays. Like, we were just talking about this with my buddies yesterday. Like, you shit me. I let in five goals on, like, 11 shots. And the very last one, I went to, like, try to play the puck. Like, I tried to even hit it with the heel. Hit it and just flopped like that. And I was far out, like, by the hash marks. And I think it's Rhett Gordon skates in for the blue line and throws in the empty net. Oh, Norm Johnson came in after the first period and lost his shit on me. Like, just... Oh, it came in, it was quiet, and I was kind of looped around the side, and I was like, oh, and everyone was talking, and it was dead silence. I was like, oh, he's in here. And then he came around the corner, and he's like, look at you. And he's like, I remember he goes, people come here thinking if they should spend their money on Pat season tickets, and they see horseshit like you, and they say, I should stay at home and drink <laughs> beer instead of this. And that was it, man. And then, uh, and then, so he said that after the first and after I had the meeting and he, and he lets me go, I was like, man, I don't know what was, that was bad. He goes, that couldn't have been any worse. So I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, you know what? Go down now to AAA. He goes, uh, play lots, get lots under you and we'll see what happens. And I went back to AAA and as soon as I got there, I never even had a sniff of starting. So I went from having this great year Bantam AA to think I'm being a 16 year old of the dub to go into AAA and not even getting a chance and just backing up there and eating shit there the whole time that, that that's that you know <laughs> your senior hockey it all came back and i loved it again you know you're 16 year old you're talking about making the dub and then you decide to use a broken twig <laughs> to get a free one and you go yeah that that just doesn't align no just uh idiot but hey you know what 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 happens if i had that good stick I make the team. I ended up playing years of in pro hockey, and now I'm scrounging for a job. All my friends played pro hockey, and they're all working now. And I'm living the life, slinging jokes at bars and clubs and everywhere. Got a holiday for life. So I'm just like not getting Kimmel the tape. I'm looking at the glass half full. Well, that's 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 fair. I'll, I'll give I'll give you that one. Probably all your pro buddies will give you that one. But that is pretty oh. funny. Uh, I, I got to say, you need the twig. Now nah, we're going to see if I can make it work for a period. It's only 20 minutes. Five 20 minutes, in. man. 20 minutes. Bitch. Oh. When like, what a loser I am. When did, you, when did you get into comedy? Like, when did you know this was something you were going to take a stab at? Like, I've read, the, I've read the article, maybe even listened to it as well. You talk about your first gig, like... You're actually the headliner for a corporate event, which is super rare. But like, when, cool. when did you Same. know? When did you know you were going to be like, yeah, I want to, I want to try this. Uh yeah. So the first, yeah, the first gig was we'll, we'll, we'll pass that first gig. Where I, uh, I was in university, and then there was uh, you, they kind of comedy at these open mic things and that, and then I went out, and the first time went good, and then kept going, and started, and you could go lots like say they had monday tuesday wednesday thursday and they'd have regulars at each show so i would write a set for that monday crowd and then you'd run it for the week and then you'd have the those new those same regulars and then i would i thought you'd do give them a new set each week so it was it was great for writing so i started building up material real fast whereas a lot of comics in big cities would have trouble getting stage time you're just starting out where in sass there wasn't enough comics so they're like hey man can you come over to the show like there's barely anyone here we need 
you know, we just need guys filling in time. So you can do longer sets instead of three minutes. Like, Hey, can you stretch to 20? So now you're doing longer than you could. And then you got to work on uh, like crowd work and all this just to get material going. And then it got to the point where it was going good. And I was like, I said, Oh man, I don't know. Like, does a guy go this way? And then it's literally like, man, you live once. I was like, if, if I don't go full tilt into this, then why not? I said, hockey, I end up not getting anything done. I got it half ass. So I'm going to, I'm going to put myself fully into it. And then uh, did, and that was it. It went good and uh, never but, looked back. But by sounds of it, by the time you're at university, you're already like, yeah, I'm going to try this. Like I went to university. I didn't have an inkling in my body that goes, Hey, we should try an open night mic night. I'm not saying I wouldn't have got up there. You put enough of these beverages in me. I probably would have got up there and made an ass of myself. I'm sure there are plenty that do, but it wasn't even oh. a thought. Oh no. Like I, I was a huge, uh, stand-up fan. Like as soon as I turned 19, like I could not wait. Cause they had uh, stand-up comp. Yuck Yucks used to come to UPA at that time. So I, I turned 19 on a Wednesday, then Thursday, was the stand-up. And when I saw stand-up for the first time live, I was like, fuck, man, look at these guys. I just thought, what a great life. Like, these two guys would be in a car together. I was like, oh, just having a great time. And then coming here at night, having drinks and just telling jokes. And then right when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, that looks like the greatest job in the world. I was like, that's what, that's what I want to do. And I always loved stand-up. And I was always, like, when I came into a party or that, I was always the guy who was nuts anyway. So, And then the first few years of stand-up, a lot of it was bar shows too. So it was almost, I'd get on those, their level too. So if there's a heavy drinking crowd, I'd get just like them just so I would fit in. Like I didn't write as much material. So it was almost like I was just a guy at the party. And then as you progress and progress, you're like, man, I got to write better stuff, maybe fine tune this. And then you get into like a corporate show and you're like, holy shit. And they're like, can you be squeaky clean in this? And they're like, oh man, I got to start writing more. And that's the thing. When you, the more stand up you do, you get into different situations where you're like, well, that bar stuff doesn't work here. And then you get into uh, maybe you're in the States and like, well, that doesn't work here. And then I do use something else. Like the more material you have, the, the easier it is for each show. Like I did, uh, I did a show with all Jewish people and my manager, he was a Jewish guy. At the time. He's like, you might want to leave out the camping joke and this joke. And like a camping joke at that point was like my big joke at that certain time. And he, goes, and he looks at me and goes, and he goes, Jews don't camp. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I was like, I never thought of that. Okay. And you just, you just keep writing and writing, and uh, the more you do it, the the easier it is because you you don't want to get pigeonholed in one set. At the beginning, you got to live by that one set, and you know, and it's almost like you look for that crowd. Like, oh, there's this type of crowd tonight. This should go good. And then the more you keep doing it, after years and years, you kind of just assess the crowd. You're like, okay, and you're it's almost like the Terminator. You go through the things in your head. You're like, that probably cut that out. Cut out. You could keep that, but put a different spin on that. We'll come like that and. Uh, Maybe these old ladies, I just the word bitch. Like, I can be squeaky clean, but there's one joke where the punchline is bitch. But I was like, even that, do I have to cut that out today? And you're like, it's a whole, uh, whole different thing. I don't even think that was the question, but I, I went somewhere else with it. <laughs> no, that's all good. As you know, from how are you enjoying podcasting? Uh, just uh, because the, the thing about what uh, you're saying, that isn't the question. And I just think, well, that's pod, uh, podcasting 101. I guess I don't really. Right. Like that's the fun of it. Right. Where the rabbit yeah. hole leads at all times. And I just exactly. try and follow along. Have you been enjoying it? Yeah. And you know what? The work, the thing that it bugs me the most is that I don't do it more because I, I, I put it off. It, it's the biggest procrastination thing of anything else. Like in stand up, you have a set up time. Like, hey, 
you got a seven o'clock show on Thursday and then you're nine o'clock Friday and you can't procrastinate. You get there and you do that. Whereas podcasting, I always look at it as like, oh, what am I going to, what are we going to do here? What are we going to, uh, I don't know. And then I procrastinate and then I was like, do I get this guest? And I was like, ah, and I, and I, I just don't get it done. And I just, and then as soon as I do a podcast and you think, oh, is this enough questions? Hey, fuck man, you could have 50 questions down for someone. You get to a boat, you get to four and that's all you really need to do. And, and that's what, and that's what could happen here. You might have 50 and then we just do it. And, and as soon as I'm done the podcast, everyone I've done, as soon as I'm done, it's like, fuck man, that was fun. Why, why do I procrastinate all the time? Why do I do that? And then I get mad at myself again. It's like, oh, I should do a podcast today. But I was like, oh, first I should go for this cross-country ski, get a little energy. And then you do this. And then I always, I'm just an idiot like that. An absolute idiot. Well, I would say uh, you'll be happy to have your 50 questions if you ever get Grant Fear. No slight on Grant Fear, but that guy has the <laughs> shortest answers I've ever heard in my life. It's just oh, like, Matt. how was winning the Stanley Cups? Good. Uh, did you have fun at night? Yes. Do you care to elaborate? Not really. Son of a bitch, Grant. I'm going to go through a thousand questions here. I just need you to answer them. I just need you to give me something. What was playing with the great one like? He's the great one. <sighs> Yeah, I bet that's funny. So I'm an Oilers guy. So my, and I'm a goalie. So my number one guy was Messier, but my goalie was fear. So then they say, and I've done a bunch of those hot stones of the uh, Husky, Husky luncheon and hockey heroes and all these other things. And you meet all these guys and the guys you, you don't think you like when you're a kid watching hockey, like Chris Chelios. And what's he the biggest beauty, unbelievable, yeah. great interview. Awesome. We had supper the night before, just a huge beauty. And it's been like that with all these other guys. And then Grant Fear is my hero. Now we're doing one uh, for the Raiders. And it, you know what? I knew so much extra stuff on him. Like it was like, there's one guy I know everything about. And then I've watched, uh, and then there's that making the cocoa too. But yeah, he was very quick and like this, boom, boom. And didn't, and didn't give up too much too. But I, I don't know. Some of the guys, I heard that about Messier and I've never met Messier, but he's such a beaut, like a, he was such a leader that he won't give you anything up on other guys too. Cause you don't want to throw guys under the bus either. Like he's still a leader. Like he's still, this is the team. I'm not going to fucking throw you any dirt. You greasy comic that wants to get something on his podcast. So I don't know. Yeah. Grant was uh live, but yeah, he was a uh, little, little extra work on him for sure. Uh, you say dirt. I don't know. I, I don't think, uh, I've had many a guy now come on and it's just whether they're willing to talk, right? Like to me, just like how was winning this? Like, do you really got to throw any dirt on the Oilers for winning the Stanley cups and being in there? Given like, man, the parties were unbelievable. How so just imagine winning three in a row and being 20, you know, three years old and having the world at your fingertips. You can, you can do the imagination. Oh, okay. Right. Like, all right. Like Marty McSorley was on. And I, when he's, when he does, uh, I've seen him live and like when he talks, I worked with Marty in a small town in SAS too. Yeah. He tells some stories and like when he came on the podcast, he was a little more gauged, you know, just reserved because he knew he was being recorded, but he still, he still told the stories just in a way that didn't put in anybody in a bad light. Right. Like, I don't know. I, it's just a gift probably more than anything. And I'm not, it's no slight on grant. Jeez. I had Healy on and I told, I asked Healy if, if you're in the room was a little more talkative and he just started laughing. He's like, 
And then, you know, he like defended he, uh, fear. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to throw fear under the bus. I just, you know, you expect a guy, he, he has all the world to talk about. He's won so much. He's played with some of the best players. He's played for team Canada. He's just not a talkative guy, or at least when it comes to being on a podcast, he's not a talkative guy. Yeah. Those guys. And you, some of them got to be more reserved too, just because some people will fine tooth comb anything. Well, you can say something and not even really mean that. Yeah. And then someone just spins it like, Oh my God. Like what uh, we're watching football. Chris Collins was like trying to compliment those women on knowing so much about uh, the, the <laughs> football. Like just insane, like, like complimenting that, like, man, you know, a lot, like, it didn't mean that, oh, women don't know anything about football, but someone just spun there. It's like, man, this guy was trying to give a compliment. Like, he wasn't, in any sense, you could tell he wasn't saying anything bad. We're like, oh, man. No wonder why people don't want to talk half the time like that. You get your words spun around. It's, uh, it's strange times right now. Like, strange, beyond <laughs> strange times, right? Yep, it sure is. How man, is- like those guys, and those guys were in the era of no cell phones anything go anything goes like all you gotta do is just deny it even if they're like hey man you're doing that like nah no that wasn't me you're pretty sure i saw i think i saw you now that that wasn't me ask ask mark he was with me that day no that wasn't him okay okay so (laughs) different times man how happy are you as a kid you didn't have cell phones snapping everything you did oh man yeah uh, pretty happy, man. That's like what they would go through now. It just every, everything that like you couldn't. And we did so much stupid stuff too. Like, Oh, just so happy. So happy. Yeah. You have to deal with that. That's all it is. Just a relief. And the, the beauty, like, that's why I almost, I like hiking and just doing things and getting away from like, as soon as you get in a bush or something, there's just zero cell phone service. Like there done. It's out of sight, out of mind. Like we went, the West coast trail seven days and you're, you have no phone. And then, cause there's zero service. And then as soon as we were getting off, we're like looking for like seven days. And we were like, like fucking did not want to hear the cell phone beep and then have to deal back with the world again. That's a little bit different than the topic I mean of, of recording everything, but just to get away from a phone feels so good, man. So good. Well, I haven't done that trail. I'd like to, um, I understand that. I mean, coming from a small town, I mean, you get out on the field, you get out wherever, you get out, heck, we're going to go do a little uh, uh, pond hockey here a couple nights uh, down the road here in the week, got the lights set up, just uh, eight people on the ice, actually, it's four people <laughs> on the ice, w- whatever the new rule is, that's what it's going to yeah, be. That's the, that's the number we're running, man. We've been, you should see the firewood I'm going out with, we've been living outside and keeping it at 10 and then. That's what you do. People come over. We've got three fire pits. You got a uh, family there, family there. That The whole Christmas was outside, man. I don't even go inside. I'm just inside right now. I've been outside all day. We went ice fishing and I went cross country skiing. Then I came in and we're doing this right now. But yeah, outside is where it's well, at. Well, when it comes to young kids, especially probably high school age through their first couple of years of university, they should outlaw cell phones, man. Like we all do stupid crap. That's what those age ranges are for. You're out yeah. there to do stupid crap. We we watched uh, yesterday. I'm waiting outside, watch watch practice, and I got to wait outside for my boy to come out. 
And uh, my, my sister, her boy plays the team. Like, Look at all these young kids racing around the parking lot in the Art Hauser Center. They're wheeling around and they're pulling the e-brake at every corner and going. And then there's three or four cars there doing it. And I was like, and she's like, oh my God, I didn't, what, what are they thinking? I was like, these kids are 16 or 17. I said, I remember when we had curfew nights for AAA, you, you couldn't go drink or party or anything. So all we looked for was a good stretch of road that had ice on it. And I said, that's all we'd do. We had till 10 o'clock to pull e-brakes. I said, you're 16 or 17. Who cares? But now you film anything, you might look like a, oh, look at these kids are so bad. We did it back road. No one knew about it. We went home. Nothing happened. Boom. Or you Done. found a good parking lot and you tested out that new Mustang and seen what it could do. And we used to do figure eight after figure eight after figure eight. Thank mm-hmm. the Lord my parents didn't know half the crap I did. I mean, this podcast alone has probably shed light on some of the stupidity <laughs> they had no idea happened. Oh, yep. That's why, yeah. My mom's like, what is that podcast that you're doing? I was like, get out of here, mom. You can listen to the Natasha Stadashevsky one, but fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> well, oh. I got to tell my, my mom listens religiously. And I got to tell her earmuffs oh, all the time. Sorry, when... I, don't use, I don't usually swear that much. Actually. No, no, no. Actually, I, it doesn't bother me any, but you got, I got to warn her every once in a while. You know, earmuffs, mom. It's okay. It's okay. It's just a word. It's just a word. Yeah, that's right. I usually don't. I don't know why I am. Jeez, must be fired up. Well, it must be the toothless guy with a beer in his hand. You, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Exactly. You're, playing, you're playing to the crowd, Kelly. That's right. That's right. You're throwing me off. <laughs> As I'm over here like a loser drinking a tea. <laughs> Is that what you got? Tea? Yes. Yes. I clean my system out all the time, usually uh, January, because I go on such a heater for the holidays. Because it starts when about November 15th, you just can drink at any time. Like, tis the season. Tis the season. And then I'm about 18 pounds heavier than January. I always say, oh, I'm cleaning the system. So I might clean the system for a while because it's COVID. I got no work lined up. I was like, ah, I'll run with it for a while. See, and I'm the opposite. I went 45 days with no booze up until December 15th. So all of November till December 15th, we ran a, a 12-hour live stream radiothon here in Lloyd raising money for the Health Foundation. And since then, I've been like, all right, I, I'm, I'm okay to have a couple of beers. I'm not going to feel <laughs> bad about it. I'm not going to feel bad. And then on top of it, this is a, a shameless plug, but uh, Three Trees, a restaurant in town, local restaurant in town, is supplying- Is that the one- Right by the Hampton? Yeah, I think that's Hampton the Hampton. Inn on the, on the what, west the side. West. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so three trees. Be, yeah. It used to be... Um, Rock and Creek and Creek, or is it across? And I know exactly. I, Rock I, Creek. I, I know the place. It's the place I go when I'm in Lloyd. I stay at the Hampton and go, go to three trees. Yes. Okay, so three trees is uh, now uh, doing... Uh, oh, God. Growlers. You got a growler there. Yeah, you, I, I do. love it. Good. And so... They're, they're, they're supplying the, uh, the beer for the podcast. And so it's even, it's even more dangerous. I mean, got a little fourth Meridian, a little local brewery in the cup. That's another shameless plug. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty no, good. You got to plug if there's savants. Look at, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing my bard t-shirt right now. That's the first thing you gotta do is get the beer, uh, Dillette's beer. Then I got my player hat up there. Always represent. Man. Always that's, represent. That's how, you make, you gotta, that's how you make these podcasts work, man. Come on. No. I love it. The first thing I did when I knew you were coming on, actually, it's about the sixth thing I did, but close to the first, because there was a, a multiple checklist I do, is I texted Scotty Hartnell, because I know you guys are tight. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to know 
what I should ask Mr. Taylor about. And he uh, said, I should ask you about sitting in Philly on a patio and whether or not that was, uh, whether there was any laughs had on said patio. Oh, man, that was, what a time. Uh, that whole that whole thing was, so I went down to uh, Philly. Scotty said, Philly got up to a one and seven start. And they, he's like, fuck, man, it's bad here right now. Uh, we just, just need a laugh or just need to change something up. He goes, why don't you come down here and like do the dressing room? I was like, dressing room? That's kind of awkward, but I was like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. Well, I'm going to do anything he said anyways. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm in Edmonton <laughs> doing this comedy festival, and I remember thinking I got this early flight to Philly. Like, I got to be in the lobby at like four, and I was like, don't drink tonight. Just take the night off. You've already drank for a few days of this festival. Get to Philly, and you'll be, you know, you'll, you'll be fresh. I'm the last one standing at the after party. Go straight down like don't even really sleep catch a flight to philly and then i was supposed to um what was that oh hartnell was gonna pick me up and then he met he goes message me when you get to mini so then i messaged him when we're at mini and he's like hey man we're uh we're at the football game i won't be able to pick you up i'll give you a cap or i'll tell you where to go and just grab a cap and like, oh fuck, i'm just haggard and i was like oh I'm gonna have to party now no way Brutal. So I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want to party. And then I land in Philly. He's like, Hey man, we're, we're, we're back at my place after things. I was like, Oh, perfect. Just go to his place. Uh, but I get a cab. As soon as I get in there, the boys are having drinks. So I get right back in or now I'm playing catch up. We have a great time. And then we wake up, do the show in the morning. So it's a morning. Like we got a morning skate. I woke up. I thought I was still in Edmonton. I was like, Oh man. I had to do a show that morning. It's not like they got beers in the training room or anything. So usually, at well, one, I don't usually sling jokes at 11 in the morning after their practice and that. And then two, I would usually have one or two to like try to focus. Man, when I started talking and doing comedy for the team, it felt like I had marbles in my mouth. Hartnell's got his hat on his head like, what the fuck was I thinking bringing this guy down here? He's going to choke. But then I caught Jacob Borchek picking his nose and rolling a booger and then kind of went off. And show ended up going good. And I was like, oh, now I've got second energy. Here we go. And Hart's like, what do you want, man? You want to take a siesta or you want to go for a drink? I said, now I'm, show's done. We're going to Pearl Jam that night. He's like, buddy, let's do it. We went downtown Philly. And this is at Hartnell's like beard, hair, huge man. He is huge in Philly. Uh, Dean Deaner, his uh, agent said, at that time, he was the number one recognizable athlete in Philly. Like, I'm talking ahead of Michael Vick. Unreal. Everyone was walking by. Like, we were, it was nothing but laughs. And everyone would walk in by. We're like, oh, Scotty Hart. Like, everyone knew him. And then these two girls behind us kind of popped their head up. And she's like, excuse me, um, who are you? And why are you such a big deal? <laughs> they had nothing but laughs. And then we go to the game. <laughs> And we jumped this fence and people are tailgating, not the game, the concert. <clears throat> people are tailgating. And now Hartnell's coming in to his own rank. And he's like, hey, you got a beer there? And the guy's like, well, I don't know the way I do for Scotty Hartnell. <laughs> <laughs> and he tosses me and Hart's a beer. And then we walk into like, the, is it the Wells Fargo? Is that what their rank's called? Or what the hell are they called? I, whatever I, their I, rank is. But yeah. Like, like split in the Red Sea, walking with Hart's down there, Matt. Just... Everyone like, wow, Scotty Harkle. 
and he loves it. He's so good with everyone. He's he's a perfect guy for that too. Just the biggest beauty, just walking through. He was awesome. Always says every time. Try to not to have a good time with that guy. You're you're, you're dead. Oh man. When did <laughs> when did you first get hooked up with Scotty? Was it PA then? No, nope. and that's what people just assume because he played in PA. It was uh, his golf tournament. The one I in Lloyd. The one in Lloyd. There was it, that that one was uh, MacArthur, Holtby, and. Hartnell, and Hartnell. Was that one. And then, uh, yeah, I just knew so many hockey guys in there and it, it would have been a tough, it is kind of a tough gig because it was so busy and it was so hard to get people's attention. But like, I knew enough on each guy in there. Like, so like the one comic went on and he's such a good comic, but he, he's a hockey fan of that, but he might not look at a guy and know who that is and know inside stuff. Like Mike Sillinger sit in front row when I went to walk on stage. And right there, it was like, well, boom. Like Mike Sillinger's playing 12 NHL teams. I was like, oh, my God, look, Mike Sillinger here. You've been throwing on more deals than a spray on bedliner at Jubilee Ford. So then right there, guys, like the hockey mentality, like, you know, chirping guys. They like that. So that's what hockey is. So then I would go around the horn and kind of just start yapping off at each guy and then uh, made a joke about Colby Armstrong was there and how Armstrong, he used to come to shows – when I was doing him in Saskatoon when he was playing on the Thrashers and, uh, and then, or he, 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 I got to, no, he was in Pittsburgh at that point. And I was doing lots of colleges after that. And I was going down to Pennsylvania and he would get me tickets. I was like, just, uh, if you guys could just be like Colby Armstrong and give me your cell numbers for tickets, that'd be great. And then as soon as the show finished, Harden will grab my phone and threw it to the next guy to MacArthur, got the next guy down. And they all just put their numbers in there. If you ever need tickets, yep, no problem, buddy. It's like, and that's kind of like where all my hockey gigs kind of uh, started was from Hartnell's golf tournament in Lloyd. How did they get you to Lloyd? Like, were you just, did you get signed up for that? No, it was the other comic. And I, uh, he, he got asked and we were doing a comedy festival in Saskatoon and it was a Tuesday and he offered me, he goes, Hey man, do you want to take this money? He goes, I think I screwed up on the budget because it was a Tuesday in July or yeah, Tuesday in July, which is, July is notoriously a slow month for comedians and a Tuesday gig, like, holy sh- Tuesday gigs are almost non-existent. So he, he undercut what he would have said. Like, he's like, Oh man, I went dirt cheap. And then I found out it's like this big hockey fuck shit. He goes, I'll split it with you. So I remember the money being like, not good, but I was like, Oh I'm, yeah, sure. man. I got nothing to do. We'll jet up there together. It's a golf tournament. Let's do it. And I uh, did it. Then after the next year, they're like, Hey, we want you back. And then when they said they want me back, I was like, okay, but I, it ain't for that money you had last year. I'll tell you that right now. That was a, that was a, I get my foot in the door. Let's, let's crack that price up now. Uh, <laughs> and it went you, just from like, just like that. You don't send the tape to Kimmel. You use a broken hockey twig and your tryouts. Those are coming some of the poor ones, but going to Lloyd for free. That was a smart decision. Oh no, no, not free. Not free. 375. We, he, he guy uh, put it down at 750. I think they had Ricky, do they have something with the trailer park? I think they had Randy and uh, Leahy or something. So Randy and Leahy wouldn't be cheap. That was their common entertainment of the year before or something. And they had the trues were there when we were there. So it was like, man, they had a budget. And he's like, we screwed up. 750 was the wrong budget for that one. But then we split it. So it was 375. Yeah, we split. Three, I wouldn't be doing 375 as old school bar money at the beginning. <laughs> How much did you make on your first uh well, you're saying three seven. What was your first gig? How much did you make on your first gig? The first one was the, and you can comics can start off, and you can be an open micer. There's nothing that says you're going to climb a ladder. Like comics will, 
they can be doing comedy for five years before they get a sniff. Like maybe you, and I, I'm so glad because comedy is hard enough. Can you imagine slinging jokes and not doing well and fighting for stage time and never getting paid? So there's a lot like that. And then there's some that climb a certain different way. But uh, my, my first one was that corporate gig, which like, so I had no clue how to start a comedy. Like I didn't know you had to start where you start, you start an open mic and get three to five minutes and then you build and you build and you build. I just told my mom I wanted to be a comedian, but I had no idea how to do it. Like I didn't, I wasn't in a big city. I had no one to talk to or ask a question. So when my mom came up to me and she worked at the bank, she's like, Hey Kelly, um, the bank is thinking of having a comedian for our, our Christmas party, which is what comics, that's what all the clean comics come out that have been doing it for at least 10 years. And you know, they're very professional and good. And I was like, and I remember in my head, I'm like 20, 21. And I was like, well, that doesn't, in my head, I was like, that doesn't sound like that would be my crowd. Like I, even though I'd never done comedy, I didn't know that I would need a certain type of crowd. I was like, that doesn't sound good. But then in my head, I was like, well, no one's asking me to do stand-up. Like, who's going to ask you to be hiring to do stand-up if you don't do it all the time and be a comic? Like, I just thought that's how you start. People call you. I was like, well, I was like, whatever, I'll take it. And she's like, okay, uh, how much do you want? And I was like, well, how much do I want? I, like, I don't know, like, it's a hundred, can I get a hundred dollars? And she's like, she goes back, oh yeah, a hundred dollars. Like, can you imagine a hundred dollars for a comic for a corporate function so i signed up and i was like how long do they want and she's like i don't know it's like an hour work and i had no clue i had no idea how long a comic's supposed to start <laughs> with and i was like okay yeah i'll try yeah so i like my first gig ever which in any comic in the history of stand-up comedy like i don't think any comics ever went out it's like yeah i'll uh my first set how long do you do i did an hour so i just i had like a bunch of stories and then you know i get a few drinks and you just start like being ridiculous and i was like at the end of the day, the gig didn't actually go that bad. I've had a million gigs go a lot worse than that one. So, oh man. What, what, did, your mom, realized, what did your What did your mom say about it? She says you you were good. Yeah, she didn't mind it at all. I wasn't I wasn't overly dirty, I guess, in that one because I wasn't. I, I knew it when she said the bank. I just pictured old ladies in a teller, which was probably a smart move by me. But uh, I didn't. And I, my mom's in the crowd. Like if my mom comes to a show, she'll ask what kind of show I'm doing. And then she loves it. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I'll tell my mom, say, yeah, come to this one. And then there's ones that just be squeaky clean, no swearing. And she loves almost hearing it because a lot of my stuff is very real. She's like, oh, yeah, that's that's your brother. That's how he acts. Yeah, that's that story of you burning that tear at the beach. Yeah, that's a true story. And she just sits there like, yeah, I was there for that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, an, an hour for 100 bucks off the hop. That's ridiculous. Uh, side note, what's the score in the football game? 28 nothing. I saw Cleveland is going to town. I'm not even a huge, like I like watching football, but, uh, some guys like Sunday, that's my day. It's like, man, I used to pre COVID I'd work every weekend and I would come home. I can't imagine being gone every day and then coming home with four kids. Like now nope, Sunday's dad's day. Get out of my hair. I know I've been on the road for three days. So as much as I would like to get into football, I, uh, I when I catch maybe two games a year, and I appreciate when I watch them. But besides that, uh, I usually background and I'm cooking, doing something, met playing with the kids. I never get to sit down and watch a game on a Sunday. Kid me? Uh, that that's fair. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I, although I did uh, make the kids watch a lot of World Juniors, and there was oh. no there was no qualms over it. I was like, we we're watching this. No, yeah, my kids are all all into it. Like uh, that's even 
the 10 year old will sit and watch it. The seven year old, I don't know. He's span of attention. So terrible, but, uh, yeah, World Juniors is the best. Wife sits down for World Juniors. Daughter sits down for World Juniors. Everyone does. Best That's because it's the best. That, it, that, it, 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 it is the best. That, that finals game, what, I know we didn't get the result we wanted, but that finals game, minus maybe the first period because Canada was getting thumped on, but even that, that finals game is some of like the best hockey you will ever watch, especially when it's Canada and the States. Yeah, and I don't know. I hate losing to the states. Uh, hate it. It, it. it bugs me because I think they. I don't know if it's more than Russia or so, it's something to do with they already think they're the best at everything, anyways. And then it's almost like they're like, "Hey, Canada, and we're better at your game." Like just like, oh, you <laughs> bastards, quit! Like man, like it drives me nuts, but. Whatever, man. They, they, the, the Americans did play great, and they got those two top lines. When those top lines are running at the one point where in Canada looks so dominant, and me and my boy looked at each other, I was like, "Fuck, man!" Right when they scored and they they hemmed Canada in for a while, like Canada can't even get it out of their end right now. It's like boom. You're like, hey, yeah, we're in tight here. Well, I'm I, I graduated or went to school in Ashland, Wisconsin, and the guy who texted me not five seconds after the Americans won is from there. And he's got a brewery with his dad. So I'm sporting him, and I don't know why, because he's a jackass, and he's probably listening <laughs> to this right now. So shout out to you, Belanger, because as soon as they lost, he's like, how about those Canadians, eh? They're like, fuck you. Right? Hey, what, what's the name of the, the, the college? Northland College, Division Three hockey. But I did every college there was in Wisconsin. Every what? college. Every college there is in Wisconsin I've, I've performed at. I, I was doing two a days in Wisconsin. I would do nooners at night because uh, I did American colleges for nine years. And then this, like my, listen to this as a joke. My agent goes, <laughs> they tried to build me like, cause they're, they would do certain regions and the Northeast part, but you had like, you are, you get like Wisconsin, I had Michigan, Iowa, Pennsylvania. And I got, I got so many bookings. My agent tried to bill me as a, a former professional hockey player. I was like, whoa. I go, no, I never played pro hockey. You can't say that. She's like, I thought you said you got paid $100 a game. I said, no, that's senior hockey. Like, I played senior <laughs> hockey and you got 100 bucks a game. And, and, she, and she was looking at me and she's like, Kelly, if you're getting, I'm sorry to break it to you. If you're getting paid to play hockey, you're a professional. And I was like, holy shit. If my friends, heard this and see this on a billboard they would lose their minds speaking me right now former professional hockey player turned comic that is a huge joke in its own right but they always played this angle of like me being a hockey player and then um there's this uh pete holmes he has a show on hbo called crashing it's hilarious and he plays himself and pete was on my ro our roster for uh his auburn moon agency and he does an episode in this thing of NACA is, is actually what these showcases are called. And it's dead on. You go in and you're squeaky clean to these university students because they get offended by a lot of things. And in Americans, I did Canadian colleges for one year. Greatest time, man. Party, drank, great times. Went to the Americans uh, circuit. It was, you're the, you are like the other they're, they're trying to get the non-drinkers like they're trying to get people to not drink to come to you because the drinking age is 21 anyways so it's almost like i wrote this new nerd hour but 
they do this thing. The agent will sit you down, like, don't do this. Don't do that. They'll get offended by this. And then they're, they're like, do your hockey stuff, do your hockey stuff. Especially when I got into that uh, region in Wisconsin, Michigan. And I think I booked every college there was, man. I was everywhere in Wisconsin. Great state. Love. I love the Wisconsin people too. It was great. Lots of beers too. Pubs on every corner. Wisconsin is as close to Saskatchewan as you'll find in the United States. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. uh, they love their hunting, their fishing, uh, instead of hockey, their football, right? Like, yeah. I mean, they love the Packers and it has got to be the only place. I want you to think about this on Tuesday nights, Five dollars, all you could drink draft beer. Really, five bucks. <laughs> and then, oh, and then we went on a we went on a road trip down to Milwaukee one night, uh, one stretch on days off from school or whatever. I can't even remember now, but it doesn't matter. We went to a Brewers game, and that night we ended up at this bar on the middle of the week. Call it a Wednesday, and it was dollar anything's, dollar anything's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been to dollar anything. And I'll do one more. When the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl, that would have been 2000. Oh, crap. NFL fans are going to hate me. doesn't matter. Uh, We went to the Neighborly Pub in Ashland, paid $20 to get in, got you a wristband. You could drink as much as you wanted. Got you dinner and supper. Dinner (laughs) and You, you mean like lunch, like two meals? Like lunch because and I, supper, I, lunch and dinner, however dinner you want to. supper anyways. Yeah, whatever. Right. Sorry, yeah. sorry. You get lunch and and supper, dinner, whatever we're calling it. And there were old, and the, and the, and the age demographic in the bar was awesome too because it was like, there was underagers in there. So there was like 18-year-olds who couldn't drink all the way up to like probably 75-year-olds. And the 75-year-olds were buying uh, Coronas by the bucket, which I was just like, it's going to, just get a wristband. You can have as many buckets as you want. I don't understand. Right. And then when they won those seven year olds partied, like something probably, I just can't even like put it in words. Like I assume if the Oilers win the Stanley cup and I'm 70, I'm going to be partying with the youngins and being like, this was amazing. Right. Yeah. That's how it was in green Bay. It was unbelievable. So they, they love their football. They love their hunting, their fishing, their outdoors and they're drinking, man. Can they put back the liquor? Yeah, great place. Love it. Like uh, you said, great ballpark, Miller Ballpark. Oh, there. Miller they Park's t- great. They tailgate, and you can drink your beer right until you uh, walk in. And there's like, you know, usually like you got to hide. You can't drink certain ones that I got. And I was like, oh, no, drink it. Great, finish that up. Come in. Speak. Hey, okay. Wisconsin, River Falls. Is there River Falls? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So they have a, they had their, they're playing their rivalry one night and they wanted me to do a teaser because I was on after the hockey game back at the university and they, it was called blackout night. And I was like, Oh, where I come from blackout night means something else. <laughs> so there, it started out with, and this is like, people are like, what's the weirdest gig you've ever done? Like somewhere they wanted me to go on the ice and at intermission and do like, you know, three to five minutes of material. And I was like, okay, a little awkward, but whatever. And then it went to like, hey, do you want to wear some skates and skate around and tell some jokes? And I was like, well, now this is just getting, this is ridiculous. Why wouldn't I? So now I get a story out of it. And then like, as I'm sitting there, they come back like, hey, Kelly, you're being a really good sport. You can feel free to say no. But what if we put you in the Zamboni? Like we'll clean out all the snow up top and then we'll stop at center ice 
And then, you know, it stops and it goes like that. And it's and the front comes up and I slid out on my skates and then skated around and told jokes. It was, it was ridiculous, but it was like, who the hell hides in a Zamboni, stops in center ice, pops out and slings some jokes. But uh, I think there's a few people in the crowd like, what is going on? That was my teaser for my show that night that I had to go perform later at the university. Oh man, the stuff I do. I'm a pushover for anything. People are like, yeah, oh, you're a good sport. Eh, whatever, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had a, a good friend of ours played for River Falls. We got absolutely pumped by River Falls. You're bringing back some bad memories. They, we, we were <laughs> the, the rivalry beat show. I remember there was a show. Uh, my wife is from Minneapolis. She knows all, she would know exactly who it would be. And I can't, I, I don't know. I remember I, having the t-shirt forever, but I got a River Falls t-shirt at home. Weirdly I, th- my, my uh, agent for colleges threw in for some weird reason in the rider, uh, a hooded sweater which is a bunny hug to me, which I ended up getting the bunny hug joke in each time because I was looking for material when I had to write my new nerd hour material in the U.S. So I ended up, uh, I left my first college gig. I, we, we ended up being the number one book guy at the first two NACAs. So I was gone. I left October 22nd and got home December 23rd. You should have seen my trunk of my car with bunny hugs, man. It was just ridiculous. I came home at Christmas and just threw. And who doesn't like getting a bunny hug? So everyone I came at Christmas, I had just had a pile of bunny hugs on the floor. I was like, help yourself, guys. Merry Christmas. Grab Everyone gets a bunny hug. What's the one you kept? Uh, I It was a nice embroidered one that had a hockey skate lace up through here. I ended up keeping man. No, I didn't keep one. I kept about five because I had so many. Uh, I remember Cabrillo. I don't know where Cabrillo was. I might have been in Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know. River. I had something from North Dakota was a nice one, but uh, I don't know. I had a oh. uh, Green Bay one. I had a Green Bay. I remember keeping Green Bay just because it was Green Bay, and I was like, I got to keep this Green Bay one. Have you been to Lambeau Field? State. There's that hotel. I stayed in that hotel across the road, which is it's beyond disgusting, man. Like. They, they don't even clean the party up. No one stays. I don't even think anyone stays there when it's not like a Green Bay Packer game. And I stayed there. Like they, it's probably 200 bucks a night or 300 bucks a night with a Green Bay game. It's like, I think it's like $49 any other off night. There was chips and beer cans and everything. They didn't even clean the room. It was like under the bed and just to the side of the counter. It was disgusting. But I was like, ah, I, I, I don't care. I, I stay in so many bad hotels. It, it doesn't phase me at all. You're, you're bringing up memories because I've stayed in that hotel. I've oh, got locked man. out of my hotel room in my boxers in that hotel. I, <laughs> we, went, we went to a Green Bay Packer game, right? And uh, tied it on. Came back. Fell asleep. Woke up in the middle of the night. Had to go to the bathroom, right? So I walk over to the door, open it up. And I'm doing that thing where you're like, your eyes aren't really open. Plus, I mean, probably three sheets to the wind still. And I open up the door and it closes behind me and the lights are on. And all of a sudden I look out and I'm in the hallway. And I've just just locked myself out of the room. Nobody will answer the door. So I had to go down to the front desk at probably three in the morning in my boxers and be like, I don't know how better to say this. I locked myself out of the room. I'm sure they're like, you're an idiot. Here's a card. Made the shame walk back to my room, swipe it so I could get back in. Yep. Who hasn't been there? I got, oh, we got a, one of 
a guy getting buck naked doing that. And then he went into like a floor where they were doing construction. And then, cause he panicked. He's like, well, I can't go down a buck. And then he ended up sleeping cops game. Long story, but yeah, who hasn't? <laughs> you get in one and then you take the wrong doorway. Whoops, a daisy. <laughs> whoops, a daisy. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah, just whoops, yeah. a daisy. Whoops. Those, those front desk ladies have seen it all. They know. Oh, look at this again. Guys doing that. Yep. <laughs> you think that happens on the regular? Oh, it's got to. For sure, man. For sure. Because a hotel, everyone's when you're in a hotel, everyone's drinking full tilt. Well, not everyone all the time, but I mean, there's a lot of people that get at it, especially on the road. So you get more than what you would do at home, and then you get at it all of it. And that's the thing, you're not familiar with where you're sleeping. So it's not like, you know, your own house, you're just, I'm going straight to there. You just, you wake up, you're like, where am I half the time? And then you feel a door, you're like, here we go. And no, this isn't it. And that just shut. And no one, it's not like you're going to bring your hotel key with you. You don't even know where you are when you're going to take a piss during the night. So it's going to happen more than you'd think for sure. I'd love to take a poll and ask like 10 hotels, their front desk ladies who work nights, how often that happens. Oh, especially that hotel you're talking about, Party Hotel Green Bay. For sure. That, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you're the fourth guy tonight. Yeah. <laughs> There's three other guys in the elevator at that time. Lock yourself out of the hotel, dude. <laughs> yep. Son of No, me. man. I just, it's a, it's a thing I do. I come into my boxers. They just give you the key. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start doing. I'll be so broke after COVID. I'm going to start rolling in hotels in my boxers when I lock myself out. What room? Oh, I forget. Just uh, Taylor, you got a Taylor out there? No, Lowell Smith. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you, uh, you've mentioned a couple of places on ice, uh, the dressing room of the Flyers. What is the strangest place you've performed in Saskatchewan? I feel there has to be some hole in the wall that you're like, you want me to do what now? All right, let's, let's fire it up, I guess. Holy f- Oh, man. Strange. Oh man, I've done so many. I oh strangest. Hi, man. That's the thing. Like they, because Saskatchewan's not like New York or L.A. where you have proper venues for stand up. So like some of the places are so strange, it doesn't even phase me. I'm just like, yeah, I'll do it right there. Like pallets have been a stage, like like more than. A lot like and then milk cartons with a piece of plywood and things just right there because people just think you don't need a setup like people like you get nervous it's like i don't really as much get nervous as i'll get to a show and it's set up poorly and then i'll be like well this is reeking for failure like, like i went to one where there was no lights and they had me behind the buffet and they thought it was it was quiet enough or they thought it was a small enough group that i wouldn't need a sound system so one i was behind the buffet table two I was in the dark. Three, I had I had no sound system, and they thought that was that was fine. Small group should be fine. I was like, no, that's just that's just that's brutal. Uh, oh man, like I did my I did my pasture this summer, COVID, so we did a drive-in. So now I'm just in my field. I never thought when I bought my acreage, I'd be slinging jokes, and once again on six pallets and a piece of plywood. Yeah, like that's what it was. Just, but. I think half the shows I do, I'm building a stage as I get there or something like that. So, oh, I to say the strangest, like even 
strangest would really probably be coming out of a Zamboni at the middle of center ice in Wisconsin, but that's not Saskatchewan. So, but wait, like we said, Wisconsin close enough to Saskatchewan. So I'm counting it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, as we get close here, I know I'm, I'm keeping you. It's been over an hour and I, I hate to go too far past, but, um, I asked this to Paul Meyerhog. He was a comedian on uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, beauty. Love yeah. Paul Meyerhog. Yeah, he did it from <laughs> France under house lockdown. They got eight o'clock curfew over there. Oh, yeah. Huge beauty. Love him. He does an impression of me at, uh, at the comedy club in Winnipeg. Rumors, they do, um, they'll do a plug for the next comic coming in. So Paul was the week before me. So he did an impersonation of me. And then I sent it out. Like, and then they rumors posted and then my friends and everyone saw it and they're just dying laughing. The radio station in PA picked it up and I was like, really? That's how I sound. It's a, as soon as people, every time people hear me talk, like, you, you should try out for Letterkenny. You should try. I was like, at least those guys are acting. I'd come in. At least I wouldn't have to act. I'm just that idiot. <laughs> oh, but sorry, go on. Yeah. Meyer hogs, big beauty. Love them. <laughs> He was. He was a lot of fun. And like I say, he did it from France, which made it even better. He had me day drinking at noon on a Sunday. And he <laughs> that's why this this started. I showed up at noon and he was already cracking a beer. And I'm like, we're, we're cracking beers? And he's like, well, yeah, I'm under house arrest. Like, we, we're locked down here. Eight o'clock. Got to be in the house. Can't do anything. So we're having a beer. I'm like, all right, I'll have a beer. I'm not going to I'm not going to say no. So away we went. But I asked him at what point he thought he made it. Uh, cause like being a comic, you've said a lot. So like you can work a lot of years and never get your shot. Never, you know, I don't know, like make it to maybe the next level. Is there a point when you look back and you're like, yeah, right when I did this show or right when I got invited here, I knew I was on to something or maybe that I didn't have to worry anymore. You know, that, that's a, that, that's a great question in the sense of when you think you made it, uh, it's when you, you didn't like, but you're so fresh into standup. So you're, you're thinking, Oh, well, when will something happen? And I remember just getting a gig in uh, Calgary. Like I, I was going out of Saskatchewan and I was going to Calgary and I was like, man, I've made it. I got to Calgary. It was just a, it was a terrible gig at a bar by a whole, by the airport called Coco's. It was a bikini bar. It bad. It was far from making it. So, so like that was one right. Like man, I made it. Then I look back and I was like, holy man! Just because you go to Calgary doesn't mean you make it. So, but that's a year in the standup. And then after that, it was uh, uh, and then you get uh, just for laughs. And they're like, holy shit, I made it. And then after just for laughs, I said, my manager said, because that was younger like and they're like they thought call it the college way would be the way for me so i did the canadian colleges in 06 so we showcased uh in 05 did them in 06 and uh i was in hamilton in the back and i'm doing it's a nooner and like a nooner is the furthest thing from making it once again but it was the first theater i'd ever done and i was sitting behind the drapes and it wasn't any other comic i wasn't opening for someone i wasn't doing anyone it was just me and everyone, I kind of looked behind the drapes and it's, it got pretty busy for a noon show, look in hindsight. I remember just thinking in Hamilton at the back of a noon show, not, I was like, holy shit, man, you're sitting behind a curtain on a, in like a theater, you've made it. And then later as I go on doing comedy, once again, do not make it. <laughs> but like now at the point of making it, I was like, 
I don't even, I think really making it or is really being happy. Like I've spent time in LA and LA when things you think are happening, it's awesome because it's so exciting. Like, holy shit, I'm at the place where things happen and things are actually happening. Like I thought I had a movie, we had this going on. It's like, whoo, and then it didn't happen. And now you're just in LA and now you're trying to get on stage and get this. I was like, man, I got bills to pay. Like every day I'm losing money for my family. So then when things aren't happening, like, man, I got to get back. And then I got back and then found my own. And then people like, and I kept getting told, you'll never be able to stay in Saskatchewan. You'll have to move. You'll be able to make a living. Then I just found my own niche of maybe, you know, doing like, say you do Hartnell show and that, that boom, say all those guys got golf tournaments. Now I'm doing those guys golf tournaments and that went, and then I ended up getting a way of my way of making it was doing a show then it went good. And then it branched out to more shows. And then you go there and you have a good show and then it branches out and kind of, I, I didn't have a yuck yucks. I didn't have anything else. I uh, just did it on my own. And my, my making it for me would be just word of mouth. Like, Hey, that was a good show. Get that guy. And now just making it, it's just being busy, man. Like I'll go to Toronto, go to Vancouver and people are like, what? You got this much, man. I don't have any work on this time. I was like, Oh man, I got, I got, I, I got so many shows. I, 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 I book shows for other guys. And then you're like, okay, maybe I have, maybe I've made it in the sense of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need another job. I need a job now though. Goddamn COVID. But, uh, so now looking back at what thing that I've made, it was just, uh, you know, having good shows that branched off to just doing my own thing. So I was like, ah, you know, it, if to be a household name, I would, I don't even know if I'd really want that. I wouldn't because I've, I've been around comics that are household names and it doesn't look fun. Like, I've been in shows where they don't even want to go out until like right before they go on. They'll like be in a closet to be away from everyone just because it's so, it's too much. They, and, and, and like we're talking cell phones. Everyone wants that picture with you. Everyone wants this certain thing. Like, oh no, okay, the picture can't get a Snapchat. Like, no, get this. And it's just like guys just sitting like, and I was like, I remember just walking off, just watching this comic from afar. I was like, oh, I, w- I would never want that. That would, that's, that's too much, man. So, uh, Making it, I guess, would be different things for different people, but I'm, uh, I'm happy where I am now. Like, minus this COVID thing's going, I will be probably living in a van down by the river. But pre-COVID, uh, no complaints, man. No complaints. Uh, if that's the serious part of this conversation, I, I, enjoy, everybody, <laughs> I enjoy everybody's answer to that. That's, uh, I think that's uh, very well put, because even if you were to make there's only so many people who make it make it like where you can't walk down the street make it right and yeah. you you've carved out uh well I, I i'll throw a shout out to brad simons he's a buddy of mine from hellmon he'd thrown your name out probably god it had to have been right when i first started this which is closing in on two years and i remember being like oh yeah yeah i should do that and, and then i just kind of you know whatever but man the longer it goes the more your name pops up everywhere and i'm like oh geez he's like a little uh <laughs> Saskatchewan icon, right? Like that's what you are. Matt, I would take that. That's perfect. That's all I would. Uh, that's all I would need. And this is I. I'm doing this um, Zoom thing for teachers, and they they got these questions of like, what's it like to be a celebrity PA? And I was like, there's never been a celebrity part of PA. Like, are you kidding me, man? I go everywhere, and no one treats like I've never in my life of doing this. You you go to the rake or anything, anyone still bust your balls or anything, and the. And this is all, all I needed in my whole life. And it, it felt like I, I felt like I made it and it was the greatest thing. And this is, uh, so I worked with Ray Bork. Uh, we did a thing for hockey heroes in Saskatoon. We did, uh, another function 
somewhere. And then I'm doing uh, Mike Keen's fantasy camp in Winnipeg. And we're supposed to meet in the lobby. And I go down and the guy organizing it. He's like, okay, we're going to head down. He goes, you're down a little early. He goes, Ray's down here early. He's just at the bar having a drink. Why don't you go over? I was like, oh, great. I was like, oh, man, I've worked with Ray before. So I go sit over, see Ray. I was like, hey, Ray, Kelly Taylor worked at hockey. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sit there and we're having a drink. And this guy comes in. And Winnipeg is like the one city in Canada where I've worked so much. Uh, I'm the only comic that's done this, the club there. And the club has a, like a lot of faithful followers. Like everyone in Winnipeg knows of rumors. And so everyone, they like it's always sold out. It's a busy club, man. And this guy comes in and it's me and Ray Bork having a drink. He's like, hey, oh my God. Hey, sorry to bother you guys. You don't mind if I get a picture? And I was like, yeah. And I'm ready to get this guy's camera to take a picture with Ray, like take a picture of him and Ray Bork. And he passes his phone to Ray Bork and he puts his arm over me. He's like, man, you're my wife's favorite comedian. She always tells you the joke about the this, that. And I was like, oh my God. Now I'm just dying laughing. Man, this guy's giving a camera to Ray Bork to take a picture of me. And then he leaves and I was like, man. So then Ray, like, I'm so, uh, like, he, has, he thinks I'm actually, like, so now Ray thinks I'm famous, which is even funnier. So now I'm getting a laugh at this guy giving Ray a thing. And then we're talking. He's like, you know what, man? He goes, the Bruins always do this function. They have a comic. He goes, they had this Boston comic last year. He's a funny guy. Uh, what's his name? But I was like, Boston comic. Everyone was famous from Boston. He goes, Bill uh, something. That's like, Bill Burr? And he's like, that's it. That's the guy. He goes, I should give him your name for next year. I was like, yeah. Yeah, give him Kelly Taylor from Saskatchewan to follow up on the Bill Burr gig. I'll take whatever he got paid to at that time. So it was just great. It was... uh like if that's all that's all I need in life is just that little one right there of some guy being absolutely clueless that he's given his camera to Ray Bork to take a picture of me, his wife. God. I mean, uh, it couldn't have happened with anyone better sitting there. I mean, obviously Wayne Gretzky sitting there would have been better, but I mean like that's, yeah. Ray Ray Bork's pretty big. Like Ray yeah, Bork is and then April 7th, I bump into Ray Bork again. This is my fourth time. So, uh, and we're at the airport. They did a hockey hero thing. There was Bertuzzi, Ally Afraidy, uh, Medano, bunch of guys. And I remember it was the, it's April 7th. It's the uh, day after Humboldt. Um, and I bump into these guys, man, I'm down. It's like, and then uh, they come around and we start, I know I've worked with Al before too. So we, totally, man, I was like, the hockey community just takes after. Like I was down in the dumps. I was like, takes a hockey guys to get you out of this. And then we get on the plane and the weight and uh, we, we get bumped up. You never get bumped up first class and we get bumped up and me and Ray are having drinks, visiting that. And then she's like, Oh yeah. What, what do you do? And she's asking him. He's like, Oh, I uh, used to play hockey. And she's like, Oh my God, my dad is a huge hockey fan. And she goes, what's your name? I have to tell him. And then once again, I was like, Oh my God, he's, he's getting like one of the greatest defensemen to ever play the game. And he goes, uh, Ray Bork. And then she looks up. She's like, "Okay, I remember that. I'll see if he remembers. I'll see if he knows who you are." And I was like, "Yeah, if you're saying your dad's a hockey fan, I'm pretty sure you'll know who he is." And then Ray goes, "And he's a comedian. Tell him who you are." I'm like, I don't think your dad's gonna know who I am. I'm not Bill Burr. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, God, Bill God. Burr's funny. Who's your Who's your favorite comedian? Like, who uh, Who do you, Who do you turn in tune into the special? You know what? I don't. L- Okay, there, that's a good question. If there's a special, I'll watch a couple. I don't really listen to any 
much stand up, but if there's a special, uh, and Mike Birbiglia releases one, see, he's a huge name, would be known as Unreal, but maybe not a household name. He's awesome. He's an American guy. John Doerr is a Canadian guy that's hilarious. Uh, Norm MacDonald, which I think is one of the best of all time. And then there's also Chappelle. Chappelle is, but Chappelle feels like Connor McDavid, though. He's so good without, like, it looks, when you're that good, it looks like he's not trying. Like, it looks like he can just be talking about anything, and he probably is. Like, it looks like McDavid skating. Like, that's, that's how good Chappelle is. I'd love so to see, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see what, uh, his routine is Chappelle for preparing for that. Cause there's one guy when it comes out, I'm immediately, I'm like, yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tune into that. Bill Burr's another, well, Bill Burr, you, I mean, he's yeah. hilarious, but Dave Chappelle is just like, man, he's good. Doesn't matter yeah, what he's talking about. Like he's just fantastic. He's, he's so good. He's just, it just seems like he's better than everyone else. And at the way he's talking, like it's almost, it's comedy and it's almost like he's teaching you something at the same yep. time. And you're like, well, how can't I see that point of view of this and that? I've heard, um, I've never seen Bill Burr live, but I know he, uh, the guy who I take his opinion the most is the guy who runs a club in Winnipeg because he's seen every comic there is in the world. And he said Bill Burr's live is pretty tough to beat Bill Burr live. So, uh, but I've never seen, and I haven't seen a lot of Bill's uh, stand up. You see Bill on everything else, but uh, I haven't watched a lot of uh, uh, Bill Burr's stand up. But I know Doug Stanhope's a guy really offside, incredibly funny too. Uh, for Biglia, John, Mul- John Mulaney's another guy, very funny. But uh, those are a few of them. Well, let's do this. We'll, we'll slowly wrap up here. We do the Crude yeah, Master. Holy shit. We do the Crude yeah. Master Final Five. Oh, yeah. I get. I get going and and there's no stopping, right? We're we're closing in an hour and a half. Um, we'll do the Crude Master Final Five. It's uh, shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. They've been sponsoring the podcast since the very beginning. Uh, just five questions. Uh, go as long or as short as we like. There's no timetable on this, but if you could sit down on your podcast with one person or, um, you know, and and sit and pick their brain like I'm doing to you, right? Like if you could have anyone, who would you take? Man, you know what? I've done so many. Uh, I've done so many sports guys that, uh, and then, and just the way we've been talking, like, so Grant Fear was my hero, and the Mark Messi is like, you know what? I'm gonna even. I'm not. I'm not even gonna do those guys. Uh, I'm such an outdoors guy. You know what? I would go. I'd probably go some sort of crazy mountaineer guy, man. That's. Uh, Conrad Anchor is a huge mountain guy. Like, I'm gonna go off script on that one. Yeah, like I've never, I've never been asked that question. I've never really thought of that question. Because uh, the and then the other ones I would think of comics, but I was like, man, I could be at just lots of different things, or just at a club and Norm Macdonald can pop it, and you could sit there and kind of do. It. Norm Macdonald be pretty cool because, because uh, he's he was the one guy I remember recording his set when I was in grade six uh, on a on a cassette player because they had comedy at night and I recorded it and I remembered the whole bit. It was about being in the backseat of a car. And I remember John wing, a comedian from Canada, legendary comedian is like, who is your favorite? And I was like, I was like, ah. and then I kind of tell him the Norm Macdonald story and listen to this thing. He's like, what was the bit? And John wing goes, Oh my God, I was there the night uh, Norm told that for the first time, he just started doing stand. 
but he was new into stand-up and everyone said how good he was and all he took the the bit was about him sitting in the back seat of a car because he was the new comic so the new he's like you know you're the new guy you're not going to get shotgunned or that so you're the back seat of the car he came back and like how's the new guy and like, ah, he's pretty quiet doesn't say anything and then when you come back from your road gigs you all do a set sunday in toronto and then norm just did a set about him being in the back seat of that car and it just destroyed it was already like boom 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 set up and that was the thing i was like and john was like i was there the night that fucking bit was born i was like oh man did that come full circle i'm glad i told you the story then to get the tail end of it and it's just it was so funny everything he said it was it was like true about being in the backseat of a car i just loved it norm john norm mcdonald is uh <laughs> is a special character <laughs> oh yeah he'd be a little weird a little off uh, that's why I'd get nervous at some point because he probably like because you don't know if he's messing with you or what the hell's going on. Didn't he have? I'm trying to remember now. I'm I'm certain he did. I just can't remember the name of it. Didn't he have a a, a talk show? What was his talk show called? Yeah, like the Norm Macdonald show. Yeah, Norm Macdonald show, right? Sitcom, the Norm show. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. But he used to have I, a, a Norm Macdonald show where he'd bring people in and they'd sit and talk, and it was kind of like. I remember thinking very like, unscripted. It was yeah, very, and he tried to make it look unprofessional, and then some people were chiming in on it because it was un- But that was just Norm. That's what yeah. he wanted to do. He didn't want it to be a big, a big ordeal. Yeah, I felt like more people needed to be in on that joke because I remember the first time I tuned in. To, that's exactly. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Yeah, look, like looked low budget. Hey, eh? look. <laughs> yeah, right. So this Norm McDonald sitting there. You're like, this is. This is something else, right? Like, but when you did some digging, now that you talk about it, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, if you could perform in one place, whether you've done it already or you want to do it, what is the one place? Oh, you, you know what? Just because I watched it on um, on HBO, uh, they have a thing on the comedy store. I did the comedy store. Uh, in LA but I was in the small room upstairs so I guess the main room because they say everyone you know everyone's done it so I guess I would I would want to do that main room in LA at the comedy store just because it is such uh history I've done the improv in New York and the improv in LA in the Laugh Factory and that but uh I've done the comedy store but not that one main room so I guess that would be it yeah for sure I guess the comedy store or you know what the, the or the Saint Denis Theater in Montreal. I've done uh, galas at just for last, but not that Saint Denis Theater is the uh, bigger of the one. So I guess if you're doing Saint Denis, you're doing something right. So I'll say yeah, I guess Saint Denis in Montreal. I'll take it back. <laughs> if you could open for one guy, who would it be? Would it be Norm Macdonald or would it, would it be somebody else? Oh man, uh, yeah, pro- you know what? Probably. Probably Norm, and you know what? And the thing is, Norm comes by, and I've been offered to. Uh, he does the comedy clubs in Winnipeg. He does the comedy clubs in Edmonton. And my manager was my manager was the Edmonton club owner. So if Norm ever went through, I would just say, I, I'd just say, okay, can I open for him? They'd be yeah. And same with uh, he goes to Calgary. I know the club owner there. So I like I could, but so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna think of some Amer. I, I like the Berbiglia then. But then I'd be scared Verbiglia would judge me and not like my style of comedy. comedy. I'm such a fat I is that it'd be like, I don't like this guy. I'm like, no, I'm going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do a skit on SNL, 
any skit through the history of time, what skit would it be? God, I hope it's one I remember. Oh, man. You know what the thing is? So I got, uh, when I was in LA, I got Brillstein and Gray, which is the, I think, the biggest management company in the world. So uh, this is how Canadian I am. So my manager from Canada sent me down and they had Steve Kotlowitz, who's a hockey agent. So, but he used to be he, uh, producing things in uh, LA and all that before. So he had a lot of connections. So we were going around to meetings and that. And so we went in and we signed with Brillstein and Gray and they sit down. It's like almost like, like one guy like just props up and kind of sits on the edge of a chair and they look at you. And it's like, what are they going to do with you? And he looks at him, he's like, what do you want? And I was like, man, I've never been asked this question. I'm in LA, things are moved. I was like, what do I want? He goes like, what do you want to do? If you could have anything, what do you want to do? And I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, Saturday Night Live. That's all, like, are you kidding me? That's, that'd be my, my dream. And he goes, okay. And it's like, now you're talking to people that can make it happen. And he goes, okay, so you do lots of impressions. And I was like, no, don't do any. <laughs> He's like, because man, that's, that's what Saturday Night Live is. And in my head, I never even thought of it that way. Like in my head, I just, like, I, I don't ever picture Will Ferrell, like, doing impressions. I always just pictured him as being a funny guy, you know, doing that. And it was like, I always thought I could do those different, I like, think I could do characters, but I didn't know of impressions. Like, oh, I didn't think of it. So, yeah, the, I would probably go, because uh, I could picture myself, I was probably at that weight and looked like uh, that body type. But more cowbell was probably. More cowbell. Shit. More that cowbell with that, with the belly out uh, would have been a, probably a good one to do. God, how much fun the, how much fun would Will Farrell be to take out in a night? Just where where maybe people don't even know who he is. He just can he can just let loose. I mean, if yeah, that's even possible. Be, like that, and that's what I like and maybe it's a hockey mentality with me that I was never a solo sport guy. So if I could look for the funnest thing to do in what I was doing, it's like Saturday Night Live seems like just like like the team having a great time, like the team bus would just be that stage and then and then that after party, you know, they're like, thanks for our guest and this. And they're all just sitting there and you're like, oh, are they going to cut loose? Because, you know, they've all been through the trenches, like a hockey team that they've been working all week, nonstop, not even all week, but all month, prepping, prepping, prepping. And then just like, oh, let loose. And, you know, you nail a skit too, like just like scoring the goal or making the big save. Like, oh, man. And then going out like, holy shit, was Cowbell good? Because there's obviously going to be bits where you think they're good and you don't know. Yeah, and they bomb. Like, man, that would. Yeah, or, or they would other ones. Yeah, and you don't know which way they're going to go. And like, man, that one worked out perfect. It's like so Saturday Live was always intrigued me like that. I was like, oh, I always wanted it, always. But it's like, and they're like, you do lots of impersonations. None. That's what it is. Shit, I never thought shit. of it. <laughs> oh, okay, you're. Your final one, then, uh, keeping the celebrity thing uh, in mind. If you could bring one celebrity to Saskatchewan, what celebrity would you bring to party with? And what Sask small town bar would you take them to? <laughs> oh, what small town Sask bar? Oh, my God. Oh. These are tough questions man you'd want oh i'd probably want to bring a musician but then i was like someone uh who's who'd be a musician that'd be a really really good time holy shit can you get harder questions man well i want i'm gonna go i want chris farley then <laughs> i want chris farley can you can alive. you imagine chris farley alive in small town sask that would yeah. be a riot 
Chris Far I want Chris Farley live at Ship's Lantern at Candle Lake on August long weekend back Ooh. when it was a bar. There we go. I'm going all out. No holding any punches. Chris Farley, then he'd give me a we go go for the money. Who could be the biggest idiot at the bar that night? <laughs> God, you're hitting. I tell you what, I have not been all across Saskatchewan. I will not even for one second put that out there. But I have been to the ship's lantern at Candle Lake when it was back at a bar. And I got uh, I was sitting outside because I had had a few frosties and somehow we had pizza and we we're sitting in the dirt and a guy punched a bouncer and knocked him down and took off running. And then all these bouncers came running out. And they're like, which way do they go? And we're, we're sitting there and I'm like, I have no idea. And then you hear, you'll never catch me. <laughs> they caught him. <laughs> they caught him. You'll never catch me. Famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you uh, you hopping on and uh, uh, sharing some stories, Kelly, uh, and, and just you know shooting the shit. This has been really enjoyable. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. All the best. That's good. I love uh, Lloyd is one of my towns where people always ask, uh, where do you like performing? Like, what's your favorite? And I they always get the weirdest answer. Like, I love performing in Winnipeg. And uh, Lloyd, just uh, always a group of people there. Uh, I always hang out with, love having a good time in Lloyd. So uh, I do a ton of shows in Lloyd, it seems like. And uh, I have a great time every time there. Well, the next time you're here, you let me know because I'll have you in studio and we can sit and have a, a BS and a bullshit and a couple of sarsaparillas in the studio. Sounds good. That sounds good. Take care, Bonner. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for having me, Sean. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us today. If you just stumbled on the show, please click subscribe. Then scroll to the bottom and rate and leave a review. I promise it helps. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, we will have a new guest sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcast fix. Until next time. Originally from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, his first time on stage was his first time on stage was shall. Can't say that word. Originally from Prince Albert, fuck, fuck. Originally from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, his first time on stage, stage. Fuck me. When you want to know, when you want to, come on. Music, that kind of thing. Head, uh, give Lewis Stang a call. Three of us. God, I am torturing this. So if you're interested in that, give Louis, Mr. Fuck. Fuck.